coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. <laughs> Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I am the aforementioned Mr. Izzy. Do I have a show in store for you today? As you know, it is the 1st of November. And what does November mean? That means it is election month. So today's show is kind of a politically charged episode. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of ours. It's Uber. U-B-E-R. You can download the Uber app for free, and what Uber is, is a taxi service, except it's cheaper and more reliable than the other taxi services out there. Here's how it works. You download the app to your phone, and then whenever you need a ride somewhere, you log into the app, and it will tell you how far away the nearest Uber driver is. Now, I use UberX, which is the discount version. That's basically where somebody will come in their own personal vehicle, somebody who's passed a background check, has a valid license insurance and and an okay car. They will come and pick you up and take you where you need to go for a lot cheaper than a taxi. When you log into the app, it will tell you how far the driver is so you know how long it's going to take for them to reach you. And if you use this discount code, you can get $20 off your first ride. Discount code is 5 L X 9 E 5 L as in long X as in Xerox 9 E as in effort 5 L X 9 E that is your code to get $20 off your first ride with Uber you can visit them at uber.com or download the app for free it's the best way to get around You get your checking account logged into the app or your credit card on the app. You can go wherever you need to go and it just automatically charges your card. No money is exchanged between you and the driver at all. The app does everything. The app even takes care of paying the driver. Drivers make 80% of the fares. Whatever your fare is, that's what the driver gets to keep, 80% of that. And that's their business model. Download the app for free. U-B-E-R. Enjoy your first ride. $20 off. 5-L-X-9-E. Our next sponsor of the show, Izzy Racquetball. For all of your racquetball needs and for all of your cross-training needs, visit IzzyRacquetball.com. That's I-Z-Z-I. Racquetball.com. And now, on to today's topic. Since it is election season... I'm sure many of you have observed some of the political ads, cartoons, uh, campaign ads that you see on TV, in magazines, online, wherever you see them. The majority of the ads are Republican versus Democrat ads. What I'm going to talk to you about is the political symbols behind these parties. Now, the origins of these images 
the donkey representing the Democratic Party, and the elephant representing the Republican Party, are pretty well known amongst political historians. It's credited that they were first deemed by a cartoonist named Thomas Nast. Thomas Nast was back in the 1800s, very famous political cartoonist, helped create a lot of the, the modern images that you see today uh, of Uncle Sam and Santa Claus. He's a cartoonist who moved to New York City when he was six years old. Even at that young age, he displayed some great artistic ability. He grew up in New York's thriving society, worked his political and social knowledge into his network. Now, in 1862, he joined the staff of Harper's Weekly. By the time he left in 1886, he had not only stamped the elephant and the donkey as political party symbols, but he'd also become one of the most influential cartoonists in American history. By the time he used the donkey as the, the Democratic Party symbol, Nast was already a household name. He had ascended to fame with cartoons that depicted the battlefield horrors of the Civil War and helped bring down the Boss Tweed Ring, a group of corrupt New York politicians. And now, the Democratic Donkey. Or as my teachers used to say in elementary school, uh, the Democratic Donkey. I don't know why, but for some reason, the old school pronunciation in a lot of the... Um, a lot of the northern areas of the United States, it was pronounced donkey for some reason. To understand the origin of the donkey as a symbol for the Democratic Party, you need to know a little bit about the politics of Thomas Nast's time. Back then, Nast really despised the Copperhead Democrats. Nast was a Republican. Copperheads were northern Democrats who had opposed the Civil War from the start. Nast thought of them as anti-union racists who had become far too prominent and influential in the North. Now, back then, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party were, were flip-flopped from the way they are now. The Republican Party was more of the union supporters, liberal socialists. The Democratic Party was your more conservative, anti-union party. So, start off with that. Everything was flip-flop back then. Now, in Nass' first cartoon featuring the donkey, which was published in 1870, he penned the animal kicking a dead lion. He branded the donkey as the Copperhead Press and the lion as Edwin M. Stanton, Lincoln's Secretary of War, who had just died. The cartoon was an unflattering image on a Democratic press whose lingering anti-war beliefs dishonored Stanton in Nass' mind. That was his opinion, and that was how he was expressing it. His next use of the donkey appeared in an 1874 cartoon reacting to Democratic cries of Caesarism against the Republican president, Ulysses S. Grant. Grant was thought to be seeking a third term in office, and Democrats compared him to Julius Caesar, painting him as a greedy dictator trying to wield imperial power. Nast disagreed with these accusations, and his November 7, 1874 cartoon titled Third Term Panic, he illustrated the Democratic press, specifically the New York Herald, as a donkey dressed in lion's skin. The donkey, labeled Caesarism, was scaring other animals off into chaos. 
The cartoon represented what Nass felt were fear-mongering democratic media. They appeared as a ferocious predator, but were actually foolish and harmless in their panic. Does that sound like anything going on in the media today? I think it does. Now, despite the fact that Nass Donkey was another swipe at specific members of the democratic press, not the party as a whole, the symbol remained synonymous with Democrats. The cartoonist's continued use of the symbol included an 1879 cartoon in which a leading Democratic presidential candidate was grabbing a donkey labeled Democratic Party by the tail. The candidate was trying to prevent the donkey from falling into a pit labeled Financial Chaos. This was a commentary on the gold standard and inflation on the eve of the 1880 election. By the 1800s, Nass' use of the donkey had made it a national symbol for Democrats, although the Democratic Party never adopted the animal as its official symbol. In that same cartoon, where the the politician had the donkey by the tail, Nass' other famous political symbol, the Republican elephant, lay wounded and sluggish in the background. While the Democratic donkey was generally the symbol of the party of braying fools in Nass' eyes, the Republican elephant was another story. It symbolized a party that had departed from its roots in social liberalism, which Nast favored. While Nast is pretty much credited with the first use of the Republican elephant and the Democratic donkey, the first use of the donkey was actually when presidential candidate Andrew Jackson was running for election in 1828. His opponents tried to label him a jackass for his populist beliefs and slogan, Let the People Rule. That was his campaign slogan back in 1828. Jackson was entertained by the notion and ended up using this donkey to his advantage on his campaign posters. Just like the donkey, the Republican elephant became popular through the political cartoons of Thomas Nast. But he had different feelings towards the elephant. It represented the party he'd idolized since he came to the New York political scene. In the 1870s, he became frustrated with the Republicans as they strayed from social liberalism, which he wholeheartedly supported. That frustration, in part, would spawn the Republican elephant image. The elephant had been used twice before as a political symbol, once in a piece of 1864 Lincoln campaign literature, back when President Lincoln was running for president, and then again in 1872 by Harper's Weekly. Nass' first appearance of the animal was in the 1874 cartoon Third Term Panic, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Now, after the Third Term Panic cartoon, Nass continued using the elephant to represent Republicans. An April 1876 cartoon entitled The Political Situation showed a confused Uncle Sam labeled the vote of the people atop a two-headed elephant forced to decide between the Democratic Road and the Republican Road. Another cartoon, released shortly before the 1876 presidential election, showed a hulking Republican elephant stomping on a Democratic tiger. Nass' first cartoon that used the elephant to represent the Republican Party as a whole came in March of 1877. On the heels of the extremely controversial presidential election, he depicted a bruised and battered elephant crouched at a Democratic Party tombstone. This was in response to Republican 
Rutherford B. Hayes' victory in the presidential election despite losing the popular vote. It was a bitter and damaging cartoon. In an 1884 cartoon, Nast even deemed it the sacred elephant, nostalgic symbol of the party that he had once loved. Unlike the Democratic Party, the Republican Party officially adopted the elephant as its symbol. The fact that Nast introduced the donkey and the elephant as national political symbols is something that we cannot dispute. However, the fact that they still remain the political symbols of the party over a hundred years later is a mystery to me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Before I do a final thank you to our sponsors, I'd like to leave you with a little bit of information from this day in history. November 1st, 1503, Pope Julius II is elected. November 1st, 1512, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, painted by Michelangelo, is exhibited to the public for the first time. November 1st, 1604, William Shakespeare's play, Othello, is performed for the first time at the Whitehall Palace in London. On this day in 1683, the British colony of New York, some of you have heard of that, is subdivided into 12 counties. November 1st, 1755, in Portugal, Lisbon is totally devastated by a massive earthquake and tsunami, killing between 60,000 and 90,000 people. This was back in 1755. In 1765, November 1st, the British Parliament enacts the Stamp Act on the 13 colonies in order to help pay for British military operations in North America. November 1st, 1800, John Adams becomes the first president of the United States to live in the Executive Mansion, which also came to be known as the White House years later. November 1st, 1848, in Boston, Massachusetts, the first medical school for women called the Boston Female Medical School was open for business. Later on, that school merged with Boston University to form the Boston University School of Medicine. On November 1st, 1870, the Weather Bureau makes its first official forecast. Today, you know the Weather Bureau as the National Weather Service. In 1896, on November 1st, a picture showing the bare breasts of a woman first appears in National Geographic magazine. In 1914, on November 1st, in World War I, the British Royal Navy suffers their first defeat against Germany. In 1938, November 1st, a horse you've all heard of, Seabiscuit, defeats War Admiral in an upset victory during a match race deemed the match of the century in horse racing. November 1st, 1939, the first rabbit born after artificial insemination is exhibited to the world. On this day in 1945, Australia joins the United Nations. As we're getting closer to present day, 1955, November 1st, the bombing of United Airlines Flight 629 occurs near Longmont, Colorado, killing all 39 passengers and five crew members. One year later, 1956, 
The Spring Hill mining disaster in Spring Hill, Nova Scotia, kills 39 miners, while 88 are rescued. November 1, 1960, while campaigning for the President of the United States, John F. Kennedy announces his idea of the Peace Corps, or as President Obama would say, the Peace Corps. In 1961, November 1st, 50,000 women across 60 cities participate in the inaugural Women Strike for Peace Against Nuclear Proliferation. November 1st, 1982, the final moment I will bring you in our recent history, Honda becomes the first Asian automobile company to produce cars in the United States with the opening of its factory in Marysville, Ohio. The Honda Accord is the first car produced there. Well, now you know a little bit more about the political parties, their symbols, and November 1st. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks for telling a friend, making the show grow. Our audience is steadily growing. We got to keep that going, get more sponsors on the show. I want to thank Uber. Thank everyone who's downloading the Uber app. Make sure you use the discount code to get $20 off your first ride. And if it's a short ride, then that would be a free ride. You have to use the discount code 5LX9E. 5LX9E. Use the discount code $20 off your first ride. Download the Uber app for free, U-B-E-R, or go to uber.com and izzyracketball.com for all your racquetball needs. Please join us next month where we will have another show. Talk to you on December 1st. Good day.